With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offensive Rookie of the Year is... Calamar. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. He's got to himself. Oh, he broke his ankle. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Keeps our Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Fast Podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at uh, Bet Online. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we are back here uh, to restart uh, our question series for uh, every team in the NFL. We've gone through a lot of the divisions thus far. We're going to pick back up here with the NFC North. And, uh, Dylan, we talked before the podcast started here. Um, been a pretty uh, noteworthy uh, NFL day here as we're recording this on mm-hmm. Wednesday, and uh, Drew Brees has uh, certainly uh, become the center of attention. And uh, while it was about his retirement uh, earlier in the off season, uh, no longer the case here. And uh, what a just a, it, it's something, isn't it? We've talked about this before. Of course, we did our episode. Uh, earlier in the week on, on everything that's going on uh, around the country with the protests and all the reaction to it with, from the NFL, uh, from the NFL itself, from players, from coaches, uh, everyone really. And uh, it's, uh, boy, it's just, um, it's an interesting time, uh, not only in sports, but also uh, in the world. And we were also talking about how apparently there is an asteroid that is uh, coming near Earth. And it's just, man, I don't, I don't even know what you say, I guess, at this point, given everything that's going on. Yeah, it's, it's it's craziness, and yeah, definitely it's amplified on the NFL front for the things we talked about on the last last uh, podcast. Now you have not just, you know, guys on other teams, but a lot of uh, Drew Brees' teammates coming back and lashing back out at him. So it's, um, and anytime you get LeBron James to talk about something, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. going on a different level. So uh, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, I'm sure, for Drew and also for that 
uh, organization in terms of what Sean, how Sean Payton and everyone else there are going to kind of handle this and get things settled. I mean, out, you know, considering their stability as a franchise for all these years, I'm sure they'll figure out something. But it's not. This isn't just some you know random fight between teammates. This is on a much different level. So it's going to be. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be following us in the headlines for the next uh, few weeks at the very least here. Yeah, lots, uh, lots going on as we said. And uh, again, if you if you want to catch up on some of the stuff, uh, certainly reaction and everything. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our episode earlier this week, but highly suggest going back and do that. Uh, but we will try to focus on some of the football aspects uh, here on this episode, and we turn our attention to uh, the NFC North, where uh, we will start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, as we've done for all these, we'll go through each team, uh, give you a question that's on our minds for them, and what could ultimately determine uh, their success going into the 2020 season. And for the Bears, uh, if you guys could have only uh. heard – if you guys could have heard the the pre-show uh, meeting here on us going over the Bears roster and specifically looking at their offense, uh, that would have been an episode in and of itself, I think, because uh, you know once you actually start looking at the depth charts, it gives you a much better idea of, of how you can view teams and understand what they could accomplish in the upcoming season. And I don't think until we looked, Dylan, at the Bears roster on offense and the depth chart <laughs> did we really realize that, my goodness, we were a little concerned about this team on offense, which is why the question we have for the Bears is, can the defense hop back into the top three of the NFL to give Chicago a chance to make the playoffs? And that's the question is, is there for a reason is because we don't think the offense is going to give them a chance to make the playoffs. And really, once again, uh, it's going to be on the defense because if they don't have an elite defense – I just do not see enough right now on offense for the Bears to even possibly get back to winning eight games like they did a season ago. Yeah, I mean, they, they relied even, you know, when they went 12-4 and four in 2018, they relied so much on that defense, like you said. But their offense at that point was still at least serviceable. Last year, completely falling off, not just in the passing game, but finishing near the bottom of the pack in uh, rushing offense DVOA. So, I yeah, I mean, they were first in DVOA and defense in 2018. That defense was a big reason why they won so many games. Their offense still wasn't fantastic. And just, you know, that re- natural regression that we, you know, we talked about it before last season that we didn't expect the Bears to, to stay, you know, number one. It's really hard year to year to stay the top offense or defense. Um, but, you know, falling back to eighth in DVOA, they have to really get uh, up and pick up, you know, where they left off a couple of years ago, which will not be easy. Obviously, they've they've lost some guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Robert Quinn does filling in for Leonard Floyd. Not that Floyd was really having a fantastic season a year ago. Um, I think they really did a good job with the Jalen Johnson draft pick. But I still, it's just, I mean, the, the defense has a ton of talent. Uh, clearly, uh, when you look across the board, obviously any team that has Khalil Mack is going to feel pretty uh, good about themselves. And then Roquan Smith, obviously, is you know when he's on the field, has lived up to expectations when he came out in the draft. But I, I, I still don't know if it's easy to say they're going to just become you know a top three defense again. And unless you know you're talking about their offense, yeah, the reason we don't have much confidence is that you know the receiving corps they don't address it. They have like you know nine tight ends. It's just pretty ridiculous, and they're, you know, spending money, you know, on – we talked about beforehand on Trey Burton to play for a different team, and it's, the offense is definitely a mess. I, I, You know, you want to be excited about some of the things that Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery can do, but that offensive line, it kind of starts there, and you combine an offensive line that's not really breeding much confidence with uh, the lack of uh, receiving options, and obviously, <laughs> uh, if, you know, for Nick Foles, if he's going to be the guy under center – 
Uh, I don't know for sure at this point. It's, it's pretty unclear on who's going to be their starting quarterback. But if it's, you know, unless Trubisky really takes a huge leap somehow out of nowhere, um, I, I, it's just, I, you know, I can see an offense succeeding with Foles under center, but not this one in terms of what they have uh, with the offensive line in their running game right now. Yeah, I don't know. I just, we, we talked about it too, and it's funny. One of the things I was laughing about was like, you know, you look at the Bears wide receiver situation and we're thinking, you know, I mean, you look at it right now, and you look at kind of where it's going to stand. I mean, Allen Robinson obviously is, is the go-to guy. You've got Anthony Miller there. Uh, they added Ted again. Mm-hmm. We know that. Cordero Patterson, you know, he's more of someone that will certainly make a, a big impact on special teams as he has throughout the years. Uh, but he's still someone, you know, they'll be able to rely on. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, we talk about just all the tight ends. And, and it's one of those where <laughs> it's like – you can look at the roster, I guess, and be unimpressed relative to other rosters in the NFL. You know, some of the the, the Chiefs or someone like that. When you compare it mm-hmm. to an offense like that, it's understandable. But you also have to understand, I guess, that we can look at these guys and say, well, you know, we're not really sure what they're going to be able to do. But I don't necessarily think it's a knock on them. I think it's a knock on the quarterback situation because, yeah. uh, you know, if you throw Patrick Mahomes or if you throw Aaron Rodgers or – um, you know, anyone, obviously, maybe not even to that level. Uh, if you throw a, I don't know, let's think of a like a the middle, next team, the next team up, Matthew yeah, Stafford. there you go, <laughs> throw a Stafford on this team, and like do those guys, are they much better maybe than than they would be, uh, not knowing what this quarterback situation is going to be? I think that's a fair question too for this team. Yeah, I mean, there, I, I think it would take a pretty special quarterback to succeed with the, the group around um, him at this position right now. I I don't know. Like, yeah, you definitely need someone probably better than what we've seen from Trubisky and, you know, Foles, like we said, can succeed in the right situation. Obviously struggled immensely in Jacksonville last year. Um, I, but I still don't think the offense line just isn't breeding any confidence. I, I mean, it, it partially, you know, it, some of that blame, it, doesn't completely fall on them. It falls on the fact that teams don't really believe that they're going to be throwing the ball down the field ever. So, I mean, Foles does give them at least a little more of a vertical element than Trubisky where they, uh, you know, if you watch a lot of Bears games, you see a lot of horizontal passes. And that's, I mean, I, you know, it's just a fact. It's not even just trying to knock consistently on, on uh, Trubisky's accuracy, but they do not let him take that many chances downfield outside of when they're facing teams like the Washington Redskins. So, uh, I... Yeah, it, we'll see. I mean, I'd rather see at least with what Foles can do and try to see if that could work with them at least having a little more of a threat of going downfield. But, but I still don't think – I mean, Anthony Miller's solid. I mean, Allen Robinson's obviously great. But I, the depth at receiver is just – it's also not completely, you know, satisfying in any way compared to any of the other receiving courts we look at, not just in this division where, uh, you know, teams are reloading a bit and are struggling at the position. But across the NFL, I – you know, they, they – the one thing, though, we did mention before is that they went 8-8 eight and eight last year. So yeah. if they can just get a little bit of an uptick on, you know, if the defense can have a nice bounce back, you know, let the regression that kind of put the push them back down, put them back up, and maybe, you know, we said top three, but even top five. Yeah. And if the offense can't be so abysmal and actually have a little bit of a dual threat uh, situation going, then maybe, maybe they'll get into the playoffs. But if they get into the playoffs, I just don't see them as a threat to some of the more superior teams in this conference. Well, I think we're on the same page when it comes to the Bears being a notch below the Packers and the Vikings. But I guess that brings to our next team, which is the Lions. Um, one of the things we look at here, I think, is that this is something, too, that stood out for us when we started going through the depth charts like you look at the Lions depth chart and last year I think you could have looked at it and said well 
they're going to struggle on defense, and, and I think they, they did. And we remember some of those games, and we're like, we just don't know if the Lions going to be able to stop anybody, maybe the way they should. You had some questions on offense. But when you look at their offense, it shapes up pretty well. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, they also made some pretty significant additions on defense, and we're not just talking about getting Jeff Okuda in the draft. Um, they added some other guys to the mix that are certainly going to be able to come in and help them. Uh, and overall, it seems like they actually did a pretty good job in free agency. So now, what's the question for the Lions? Well, we go all the way back to the top because our question <laughs> for the Lions is, is Matt Patricia going to be the thing that holds the Lions back in 2020? Now, we are not knocking Matt Patricia. Um, I guess in a sense we are, but not in, in a sense that, you know, we're not saying he's a terrible coach. But I think one of the things is um, when you look at maybe some of the stuff we've seen, you know, like looking about, I guess, what players have said about him and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Darius Slay, I think that was one of the big things, you know, talking about all these different things about him just completely ripping Matt Patricia after he got traded to the Eagles. Um, and you just wonder what the locker room is like for them. Because if you just base it on talent, and you can argue that the Lions could actually take a pretty big step forward. And if you remember, Dylan, we talked about them before mm-hmm. they got hit by injuries. We were saying, you know, this Lions team is not that bad. But now, maybe with some of these guys they've added, um, they've got options at running back if they can keep guys healthy. Um, you look at their receiving group. I mean, you you know you start with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. That's a nice duo to start mm-hmm. things off with. Um, you know, they added Geronimo Allison. Maybe he's able to fit in there. Their tight ends are pretty good with Jesse James and T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, I think there's there's some intrigue with the Lions, but as we're saying, I think it's also understandable why Lions fans may find it hard to get their hopes up uh, based on Matt Patricia. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've just seen more, and also for Lions fans, I mean, until they actually get back into the playoffs and win a playoff game, I believe it's been like something like 30 years since yeah. they've actually won a playoff game. Um, obviously, I haven't made it all that many times. But, yeah, it's it's hard to be encouraged until they actually make that step. So, yeah, we can look at all the talent they have and what they've been able to do, uh, not just in the draft where I felt they, you know, they filled pretty much all of their needs um, in the first three rounds, obviously, with Akuda there at the top, but also with Ekwara and then uh, Jonah Jackson uh, possibly playing guard for them. So I thought they did some good things. But, again, I mean, this is a when Patricia came here, it was heralded as this, like, defensive mastermind uh, in New England. And, I you know, anyone, a lot of Patriots fans would say, you know, let's, let's look back at what happened with them in that Super Bowl against the Eagles, but also that entire season where the, you know, that offense would, you know, we look at a year later when they win the Super Bowl with uh, one of the best defensive performances in Super Bowl history, that, you know, just one year with basically the same group of guys, not that much of a turnover. And, uh, you know, the common denominator there was Patricia. And sure enough, the Lions defense, which was fine, not great uh, the, the year before Patricia got there, has fallen, you know, to the bottom five in DVOA the last two seasons, despite having some pretty good talent, despite having, uh, guys, you know, that should be able to get the job done, at least at a higher level than what they've done. Maybe they're not, you know, a, a contender um, by any means, but, you know, they just have not met expectations by any means. And until Patricia <laughs> proves that he can and they don't just run 11 personnel every single time Stafford's on the field on offense and run the ball in situations where it doesn't make sense. Like, there's just so many questionable things, not just in terms of, uh, you know, you're talking about the chemistry issues possibly and all the complaints in the locker room and things like that but also just on a pure like uh, strategy level across yeah. the whole team. It's, it's not, it's not the most encouraging part. And so, yeah, I think it was a fair question for us. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not, 
I, I don't think he, you're saying like it's not a complete knock on him, but until he can prove <laughs> that he can get the job done with the talent he has, at least making the most of the talent he has, um, it's it's hard to really be that confident if you're a Lions fan. Yeah, Lions schedule, I don't completely hate it, but I don't love it either. Um, mm-hmm. They start the season off uh, against the Bears at home. That's a big game um, on September 13th. And they go to Green Bay, they go to Arizona, come back home against the Saints before they get a bye. They've got a, some decent, I guess, opportunities in the middle of their schedule, but look at their final four games. If, let's say, the Lions were trying to make a playoff push, their final four games are going to be against probably likely four playoff teams. Uh, they're going to play mm-hmm. the Packers. they got to go to the Titans. They'll host the Buccaneers, and they'll host the Vikings. So at least they get three of the four at home. Uh, but you do expect probably all four of those teams to be in the playoffs. Um, so that won't exactly be easy uh, if the Lions are trying to make that push uh, under Matt Patricia. But we will see. Like we said, the roster's intriguing. Uh, but can they take a big step forward? That's what we find out. But while we don't love the Lions' schedule, we do love our friends at Bet Online because uh, there is no shortage of action going on over at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. Plus, you can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for absolutely free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, we talked about this and how awesome of an interview it is. Uh, you can find the exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls stars Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the final dance. So if you love the last dance, check out the final dance on BetOnline's YouTube channel. Great interview there uh, with those guys. So just visit uh, BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your new welcome bonus. Check out all the action they have going on over there. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, we move from the two teams that we probably don't think are going to make the playoffs to the two teams that absolutely should make the playoffs. Uh, and we start with the Vikings. Um, they're a team that, you know, I guess really doesn't look a whole lot different as a whole uh, in terms of their, their roster. But we know they do have one big person to replace, and that is Stefan Diggs. And that's why our question for the Vikings is, can the Vikings offense pick up where they left off with Justin Jefferson replacing Stefan Diggs? Now, we talked about the Vikings. They had a really good draft um, mm-hmm. and now, you know, it's a situation where, I mean, Adam Thielen is clearly the top receiver on the roster. Beyond that, they have questions, and I think, you know, yes, they took Justin Jefferson, you know, with their first pick in the first round, and the expectation is that he's going to be able to step in seamlessly uh, and be able to be that surefire number two receiver, a uh, guy that they can count off, count on to take some of the pressure off of Thielen. Um, and, you know, behind them, they've still, they've got, you know, Busy Johnson is still there. They brought in Tajay Sharp from mm-hmm. the Titans. Um, so these are guys, too, that will complement those guys. But clearly, Justin Jefferson, the expectation is that he has to step in right away and be a big-time target in their offense. And one of the things that, that we've discussed, too, is, you know, the Vikings are a team that it's not necessarily going to look like an offense, I think, that's going to just be uh, out there, you know, air raid and all this other stuff because they're probably going to have Kyle Rudolph on the field, Irv Smith on the field at the same time. Uh, we know they're going to pass to the backs, whether that's Dalvin Cook or Alexander mm-hmm. Madison. So I think the versatility of the Vikings offense is pretty good. Uh, but, again, you take away a guy like Stephon Diggs, and it's clear that that does put some pressure on Justin Jefferson here in his first season. 
Yeah, I mean, if you listen to our uh, podcast with our mock draft, clearly we were pretty high on Justin Jefferson. Obviously, any LSU fan would be as well after watching what ha- what he did in 2019 in that offense. But yeah, to expect him as a rookie to you know do what Diggs has done is, in his career, becoming one of the top receivers in the NFL, it's just not incredibly realistic. So I mean, yes, Thielen can step up, but he for you know act, finally kind of had some injury issues at times last year. If they if they lose Thielen to any for any extended period of time again, it's it's not going to be so easy with Justin Jefferson as number one option. I still think that outside of just receiving wise, I think the Ezra Cleveland pick worked out really well for them. They didn't you know failing to trade for Trent Williams ended up being probably a good thing for them not having to spend as much money there. And yeah, overall their draft, I think across the board uh, they did a great job. And you know they they were they were really good last year on both sides of the ball. You know top ten in DBO on both sides, but not you know, so tremendous where you're like, wow, this is like a powerhouse. So, can't, yeah, to expect Justin Jefferson to take them from where they are right now, I, I don't know if that's really fair, but I, I still think he can fill in and do some of the things uh, that Diggs did, still uh, kind of have the same similar role in that offense. And like you mentioned, they, they are such a versatile team in terms of what they're able to do. They obviously run the ball incredibly well and if, as long as Dalvin Cook's on the field he, a lot of not too many running backs as dynamic as him they use 11 personnel fewer than any team in the NFL so they only uh most of the time they're they're having only two receivers out there so I I, I do think they do some that's that's partially because of issues with the offensive line and the need to provide extra protection for uh for cousins but I think that does help in terms of uh, you know um, not putting as much pressure on Jefferson. He can kind of stick to his role. So we'll see it all, how it all turns out. I still think they'll be a playoff team. Uh, you know, I think the, the 2018 season where they missed the postseason, uh, postseason was a bit of an anomaly. They only missed it by one spot, so they would have made it in the new uh, upcoming 17 uh, setup. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't – it's just – can I really look at them and say, you know, as good of a draft they had and, you know, they get Jefferson and it's a nice way to fill in that hole. But did they really take a step forward – Again, with all these teams, it's kind of a similar theme of, like, you know, we're excited for certain parts, but are they really that elite? Are they really a team that we're going to, at the end of the season, be looking at as uh, someone we expect to be in the NFC Championship game, the divisional round, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think this entire division, I think it's fair to question that uh, with all these teams, and we'll get to the mm-hmm. Packers here in a second. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, that's the thing, is if they if they don't miss a beat early, I think the Vikings are good enough to probably, you know, get to an NFC championship type of level. Like, they, they could very well get yeah. to that point. But can, yeah. because their defense is going to be very good, we know that. And uh, like you said, it's just a matter of seeing uh, if Justin Jefferson can, can be the, a big deal right off the bat. Uh, we know Adam Thielen, you know, stays healthy. He's certainly, you know, very, very good. And so uh, Dalvin Cook has emerged, one of the best backs in the NFL. So there's lots of uh, different options for them on offense, and it's just a matter of putting it all together. Like you said, to, to be a team that can, you know, let's say win 14 games or 13 games versus a team, you know, that goes 9-7 and seven or 10 games, whatever, um, obviously yeah. winning 13 or 14 is going to be a challenge. But that's kind of the level – uh, in terms of if you want to be a team that's one of the favorites versus a team that's maybe just kind of hovering around that range, uh, being a team that makes the playoffs. And, hey, at least there's another playoff spot this year, right? So uh, <laughs> someone else can find their way in there. But uh, we think that the Green Bay Packers should make the playoffs. But uh, the question here for the Packers is going to be one that a lot of people have already talked about this off season. Uh, but yet I think it's still pretty obvious that it's going to be the thing uh, that is going to be the storyline the entire season. I don't think it matters what the Packers do. 
This is a question that's going to be asked all season long. Um, this is the question uh, that Dylan asks on the podcast with me all the time, and that is, uh, will the Packers be able to keep Aaron Rodgers happy all season? Um, well, I mean, it's, uh, again, uh, we, we talked about what would be the right question for the Packers, and I think it's just when you look at it, Sure, you can point to the obvious marks when it comes to the wide receiver situation. Um, we know Devontae Adams is a stud. Beyond that, we have no idea what we're going to get from the Packers passing game. Like, that's completely fair. I don't think you can look at anyone else and say we're completely 100% sure that anyone else in the passing game is, is going to be just that mm-hmm. standout performer because Alan Lazard, we know Rodgers likes him. We know we've talked about him. Uh, but, you know, is he is he an elite receiver yet? No. And they bring in Devin Funches. You've still got Marquez Valdez-Scantling there. You know, Jake Kumaro's there. They've got Aquinas uh, St. Brown still there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different guys. We get it. But, uh, you know, they're somewhat similar to the Vikings. I don't. It's not the exact same situation. But, you know, they've got to have someone step up as the second wide receiver, the third wide receiver, uh, and so forth. Like, they've got to have that. But I think, you know, where you look at it with them, I don't know. Like, that's the thing is we're talking about Jordan Love and and are, you know, the Packers going to use him in some sort of, I don't know, combination, Mm -hmm. formation. Like, I don't know. And that's one of the things we were laughing about before is I I just can't imagine looking at Aaron Rodgers running out wide. Um, as the wide receiver and, and making that stare over to Jordan Love as the quarterback. Like, again, we're comparing this to Drew Brees and, and Taysom Hill and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. Like, it's just one of those where I think a lot of people are in agreement that the Packers did not do enough to help Aaron Rodgers. And that is why I think it's pretty simple. What are they going to look like? Because I don't see them getting back to, you know, the NFC championship. 13-3. Yeah, like, yeah, I just – I don't think if you just look at the roster as a whole right now, I just don't know that I would – and I would – you know, what teams do you put ahead of them? Maybe that's the be- better conversation with them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, compared to the AFC where we're so confident, as we always talk about in the, the teams at the top and the Chiefs and the Ravens, outside of the Niners and Saints and the NFC, I mean, maybe the Bucks, but you're not really positive of those top teams. There's just a lot of really good teams the Packers fit yeah. in there as well. So – you know, going to the question, I you know I don't know if it, it I don't know how much it matters if he's happy or not. I don't think that I don't think Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career that's going to really impact his play. Um, it could cause some other issues potentially, but I, you know I think he's even if he's not you know happy with it, I don't think he's going to let it uh, affect how he acts around these guys. I think he's professional enough. He had the experience with what happened early in his career and how Brett Favre treated him. I don't think he's going to be exactly the same kind of situation that those two had. Obviously, they're great friends now, but I don't see it being as, you know, kind of awkward and standoffish as it was then between Jordan Love and Aaron. So, I, I you know, in terms of how happy he is, that's one thing. I'm. It's just more for me about, you know, the reasons he's not happy are probably pretty legitimate considering his talent on a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And now, you know, they were fourth in DVOA running the ball, a great rush offense, a great offensive line. But you already have Aaron Jones. I know A.J. Dillon, I think he could probably succeed within this offense. But it was that, you know, there, obviously the Jordan Love pick, but then also the A.J. Dillon one. The fact that they didn't address uh, the receiving corps, we've seen for years, you know, you know, going back to when they actually won a Super Bowl, obviously that you couldn't have a more talented four receivers uh, when, you know, your number three and four guys are Donald Driver and, and uh, Jordy Nelson, basically, yeah. with James Jones and Greg Jennings. I mean, yes, obviously he's had plenty of successful seasons. That I, you think back to when the 
the Packers uh, had that crazy playoff loss to the Cardinals. The, the guys making those catches in that in that game that I can't even think off the top of my head now. <laughs> uh, some of the names that, that they had at receiver. So he succeeded with little known you know uh, guys, kind of like Drew Brees has for a lot of outside of Michael Thomas. It's kind of a similar situation for years there, where they have one dominant receiver and then a lot of guys that are seeming seemingly just coming off the street and suddenly catching touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Alan Lazard has stepped up. I, I'm not really confident in what's going to happen with Devin Funches. I'd have to really see it to believe it. Uh, that's a long time coming. And y- you'll see that uh, you're mentioning some of these other guys like St. Brown and uh, Valdez Scantling that have flashes uh, where they look great. But you wonder how much that is about uh, what Aaron's doing and what they're able to do overall as an offense. So, I, yeah, that's, that's you know, whether how happy he is at the end of the day, uh, I'm, it's going to be a huge narrative. But I don't know if that's the big reason that this team either – uh, you know, comes out of nowhere and, uh, and at least in my mind, and stays at the top um, of the NFC as a number one or two seed. And uh, the, probably the underrated thing that we didn't really discuss before the podcast and the more I think of it now is just their, by the end of the year, their run defense was abysmal. Obviously, yeah. the NFC NFC championship game uh, showed <laughs> really uh, showed that quite well with the, the gaping holes the Niners are consistently getting throughout that game. So, uh, I mean, if the defense can't, you know, bounce back from being their 15th in uh, DVOA, ninth against the pass, a pretty good uh, pass defense, not great against the run. If that can't improve, I don't care how good their offense is, how much Aaron makes it work with the, some of those top receiving uh, receivers that he has, I don't know if they can, with, you know, with that same kind of defense, still rely on running the ball as much as they do. And that philosophy overall, I'm not sure when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, it makes sense to just continually – focus on the ground game the way they have uh, at least early in the first uh, Matt LaFleur season. We talk about the impact of potentially not having fans in the stands. Uh, Four of their first five road games this season, at Minnesota, at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay, at Houston, (laughs) at San Francisco. So arguably the Vikings, the Saints, the Bucks, and the 49ers, like these are the teams the Packers are competing with in terms of playoffs and all this other stuff, you would have to believe that, that I think right now we would all expect those four teams to be in the playoffs uh, at this point. Yeah. You know, maybe, I don't know, I, I guess the Vikings maybe the team that would probably be the least of that group if we put it together. I don't know, maybe depending on how you view the Bucks, even with Brady and Gronk. But, yeah, um, yeah like that's that's not easy. And I think the, the positive is that when you look at their home games, you know, they're going to get games against teams like the Jags, the Panthers, um, you know, the Falcons, we don't know what to expect from the Falcons, uh, the Lions, we mentioned teams like that. So I don't know, man. It's just, um, it's one of those two where, like we're saying, it, it Aaron Rodgers is good enough to lead this team to a lot of wins. Yeah. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's proven it so many times. One of the best to ever play the game. We get all that. But I, I think at this point, because of where they got last year, and we always talk about with the pressure for coaches is, you know, you get there in year one, as far as they got, well, guess what? The only way to raise that the next year is to get to the Super Bowl. And so if not, you're going backwards. And I think that's something that is also very intriguing in all this, because once you set that expectation right away, um, you know, the expectations aren't going backwards, especially for a team like the Packers. No, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, the expectations are going to be high. I just, it, it's like you you think of those early kind of years where they they took off and they win the Super Bowl and then go fifteen and one and the talent that they had yeah um and it's it's like this it, you know they still have a lot of talent but it's still it reminds you more of these all these years where this they keep 
kind of knocking on the doorstep and they get knocked out in these just really, really brutal playoff games. But I still don't think this defense is on the level of the, the last time they got really close to the Super Bowl and they had the, the, you know, the comeback from the Seahawks against them. They go to Super Bowl 49. I don't think their defense is on that level. I don't think their offense is, you know, as efficient passing as they were then. Um, still, you know, still Aaron Rodgers, like we say, but uh, there's, you know, moments the, when they missed the postseason a couple of years ago where you, you saw the lack of targets, the, the lack of protection and things like that. I think their offense line has found, did bounce back quite well last year. They did stay, you know, fairly healthy, so that's a big part of it. I, it's just, yeah, they're, <laughs> it's the same thing where kind of the theme of the NFC and really this division, a bunch of teams, you know, teams that could be pretty, you know, good, but are they, do they have, are they well-rounded enough? When you look at how rounded the, the Chiefs have become with how much their defense has stepped up, the Ravens might, and the Niners on both sides of the ball, it's, it's just, you don't see that there. And it's, and you know, if they get hot at the right time, sure, anything could have happened. If they got, they you know, if their defense had the game of their lives and, uh, you know, the offense by the end of the game against the Niners was making some things happen, they could have been in the Super Bowl. But, yeah. um, we, you know, and there was a lot of criticism of when anyone from Packer fans and people would say, you know, they aren't as good as their record. But that wasn't necessarily, you know, it was just based on the numbers and what they were doing and some of the close wins they had. Um, and, you know, obviously missing having to face Mahomes. I believe they faced Matt Moore in that game. So And they barely, still barely won in Kansas City. So it's not <laughs> – the, the schedule does – line up okay like you're saying like I I compared to last year I don't think it's they, they do have yeah. some those tough road games and they might benefit as you mentioned without there being fans in the stands so I, I still expect them to make the playoffs I know it sounds like I'm being so negative and <laughs> uh, overall about their chances but uh, yeah I just I, I really would have and overall I really would have liked to see them have you know attacked in the draft some of the needs they have around Aaron Rodgers and really try to go for it. Uh, maybe this will, you know, in, the, in five, six years, we'll be like, wow, look at how brilliant the Packers were to, to, to get Jordan Love, and now they're going to have the same, you know, they went from Favre, so Rodgers without missing a beat, same thing's going to happen with Love. Maybe it'll all work out in the end down the road, but it's hard It's hard to justify with what he's done to not really go all in uh, with him, and it just felt like they were kind of, you know, hedging their bets towards the future with this draft and how that, uh, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers, whether he's happy or not, again, he'll, I think he'll play well for them. But um, I wonder if that philosophy is going to end up uh, biting him in the butt by the end of the year. Yep. We'll see who steps up around him. That's going to determine whether they can get back and maybe make a run in a Super Bowl. We will see what happens there and what should, uh, once again, be a pretty wild uh, set of uh, games between these teams in the NFC North. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'll wrap it up here with the NFC North. Uh, We'll talk more about the other uh, divisions that we've yet to do here in the upcoming episodes. But for now, Dylan, we've got a lot of great stuff going on over Clutch Points, looking ahead to the season, talking about some of the other stuff that's going on, uh, certainly off the field right now. Uh, Lots of great stuff going on over there. Yeah, you can find all of our NFL content on ClutchPoints.com in the NFL tab at the top of the page, as well as in the ClutchPoints app, uh, NFL section there. Once the games are back for the NBA, sounding like they'll be back at the end of July now. We'll have those all in there. Obviously, whenever the NFL season does start, hopefully it starts on time, uh, we'll have all the games to follow in there as well. But, yeah, for now, on, within it, whether it's the app or on our website, you can listen to us. A podcast is available in the app as well. Um, there's also a podcast section on the website. But, yeah, all of our written content can be found there as well to, to keep up. And hopefully we'll just, you know, at this point uh, right now, <laughs> a lot of the news that we're covering isn't really about football. But, yeah. There will probably come a time not too far from now where we'll get back to covering uh, more news related to what's actually going to be happening on the field. Yep, that is true. And, uh, yeah, check out all that good stuff over there 
Lots of great stuff on Clutch Points. And again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, to search for it. You can find it there. And uh, thanks, as always, to the fine folks at Blue Wire and Bet Online for all that they do. And uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time you're on the Establish the Past podcast. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.